good to be with you all. It's quite nice, it's like a little bit of an intimate crew tonight. Yeah, so basically today is the first Sunday of Advent and Advent literally means a coming into place, view or being, basically meaning the arrival of something or someone. And so today we mark the start of, of Advent, the time in the year where we expectantly anticipate the arrival of Christ in our lives, in our communities, in the world again, by looking back and reflecting on Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, who came and arrived first in this world as a refugee baby in Bethlehem a thousand years ago. Yeah, so that is a bit of the like trajectory that we're on for um, the next, next four weeks. And the scripture that we had for this week was from a story at the beginning of Luke's gospel. Luke gives us a lot of social and political <laughs> contextual information to the birth of Jesus. And one aspect of this is the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah. The story begins with Elizabeth and Zechariah's longing, the inability to have a child, following on with Zechariah who um, was a priest. And basically he kind of drew from the lottery that it was his turn to go into like the holy of holy places in the temple. And when this happened, he had like this real wild encounter with an angel, Gabriel. And Gabriel proclaimed that him, that Zechariah and Elizabeth would have a son. This son, who was to be named John, was to be the forerunner of the long-awaited Messiah. Gabriel goes on to say to Zechariah in this part that this son, John, would be the one to proclaim the good news that the Messiah was coming and would be the one to invite everyone to turn to God and become expectant for God's impending arrival. Um, yeah, when I read this passage, I, I was really taken aback um, by the promises that were made um, and the theme of hope that was woven within this story. Um, and when I, when I try to imagine what this might have been like for Zechariah and Elizabeth, um, I can only imagine that this time would have been a time filled with anticipation and um, expectation, both for the arrival of their son and also um, for the long-awaited Messiah, which Israel had waited hundreds and hundreds of years for um, to be liberated um, from the oppressive Roman Empire of the day. Um, it is, yeah, it is this stance um, and spirit of anticipation and an expectation that speaks of hope. Um, that is exactly what Zechariah and Elizabeth's son, John, came to do, to act as a witness of hope, hope that would be fulfilled in the coming Messiah. Um, so hope is both a noun and a verb, yet um, the words hope in the Bible are all active words. Um, in the Old Testament, hope is referenced as this expectant waiting. Um, it's talked about in the context of the Israelites expectantly waiting for deliverance and liberation. Um, and it was this, this hope that was based not on their circumstances, um, but on who God had been to them in the past and therefore who the Israelites could trust God to be for them in the future. Um, in the New Testament, hope is referred to as a living hope. Um, this hope is based on Jesus' arrival, death, and resurrection, um, where people, where we, are invited to, to die to self and to live and walk with Christ. 
um, walking a different way and being a part of bringing peace um, to our lives, our communities and the world, just as Christ did. Um, in times of expectation and hope, there's normally an element of, of preparing that takes place. And John embodies this role of preparation from the time of his birth um, right up until the end of his ministry, inviting people to get prepared for the Messiah's coming and showing what getting ready looks like. Um, and so this preparation that John was asking people to partake in was a complete overhaul of their lives. Um, it was a pretty crazy message. Um, basically, John was saying to people, you've got to like, completely overhaul your lives and no longer prescribe to the status quo or the dominant way of doing things, but he was calling people to get prepared and to begin living in a different way, in an alternative way. Um, this alternative way was something that was to point to a new kingdom, to um, the kingdom of God that was so, so close. Um, yeah, and in this kingdom that um, this alternative way was to point to, everything gets turned upside down. Um, and Jesus, the king, brings about a reign of peace and wholeness. Um, and often when, in the Bible, when the word peace is used, it's referencing um, this word, shalom, which is talking about um, wholeness or the putting back together. Um, and so that's often what peace is referencing to. Um, just like a little bit of a side note, um, <laughs> if like the political language is a little bit hard to swallow, like the ideas of like kingdom and king and reign and all that kind of jazz, basically the, that kind of language was intentionally used in the gospel to intentionally contrast the, the kingdom, the actual like kingdom and empire and reign of the day at the time. So yeah, it's more to intentionally contrast what was happening at the time. Um, and so hence why that like intense language um, is used. Yes, just a bit of a side note, because I sometimes get a bit trapped up on language. So if anyone else is like me, then there we go. Cool. Following on. Yeah, and so I guess as John called people in that time to get prepared and to start living in a different way. As the body of Christ, we are also called to do the same. We're also called to witness to the coming of God's kingdom, um, just, just as John did. And yeah, we are to witness in our words and actions the arrival, death and resurrection of Jesus in our lives and, and call others to do the same. Yeah, over the last couple of years, I guess I can personally say that I have witnessed Jesus' liberation within myself. Some of you may have heard me talk about um, the idea of home this year. It has been, I keep talking about it because it has literally been one of the most transformative ideas in my life. Yeah, the idea that God would make God's home in me has and just continues to change everything. This has been so transformative because when I picture myself making home somewhere, I think about fully seeing and fully fully knowing the landscape and simultaneously fully embracing that landscape. Um, that doesn't discount that there might be room for growth and like possibility and change, um, yet in that moment to make home somewhere, um, as I imagine it, I would fully know and fully embrace that space. And so to imagine that God does that with me um, 
fully knows me and simultaneously fully embraces who I am um, has, yeah, really changed everything for me. Um, this idea has been the space where my shame has become disarmed again and again. Um, as I've chosen to believe that it's truth, um, it has influenced how I live and has become embodied in new ways of living and being from, from this place of knowing that God makes God's home in me. Um, this has been where I've felt recently um, God inviting me to embrace for me to embrace all that I am, just as in God, just as God embraces all that I am and have been. This has been very hard and challenging um, to be seen and to seek to fully see as well myself. Um, one of the hardest spaces for me personally has been embracing the histories that lie within my whakapapa, um, that make up who I am and have been a part of the injustice towards hapu and iwi Māori um, and injustice towards and in this whenua. That has been one of the hardest things for me to actually look at because the shame in me would sometimes rather hide um, or ignore it, but ignorance is privilege and God calls us to come into the light um, because in the light we can choose to surrender um, we can choose to grieve in the light. We can choose to apologise. We can choose to receive God's forgiveness and grace. Um, we can choose to respond to Jesus' call that says, come and walk a different way. Yeah, responding to God's invitation to embrace who, who I am has meant looking at the parts within myself and my histories um, that shame would rather have me hide from or ignore. However, as I have responded to Jesus' call, choosing to walk a different way, choosing to acknowledge and see who I am and have been, yeah, that has been and continues to be the same place where I have found liberation. I can testify that in the deepest parts of myself, the parts of myself that have been full of shame um, is where God's light is at work present. Um, and it is from this place of knowing liberation um, in the deepest parts of who I am that give me hope that in the darkest spaces um, of this world that Jesus' light and life can also bring liberation and wholeness there. Yeah, and I think um, looking out into this room, um, there's many, many stories that bear witness to, to that hope. And that is what we're called to do as followers of Jesus, to bear witness to that hope and invite others to prepare a space for God and to walk a different way as well. If we look at the prophets in the Bible, such as John um, or Isaiah, the, the prophetic is often made up of, of two parts. First thing being looking at the world um, as it currently is and often critiquing it or just being deeply grieved by it and to um, proclaiming hope for a different way. Um, an Old Testament theologian, Walter Brueggemann, wrote a book called The Prophetic Imagination. He describes the prophetic imagination as a subversive or alternative imagination that counters the dominant ways of seeing and imagining the world. Brueggemann, also known as Bruegs to um, Rose and Lauren, 
um, talk about <laughs> talk about prophetic imagination um, as something that should always lead to further um, emancipation or freedom. It is it's a refusal to adopt the imagination of the empire and instead to bear witness to hope in our prayers, in our words, in our actions, that things can be different. Prophetic imagination looks at this world and sees the capacity to move beyond the world as it currently is um, to the world as it might and can be. Prophetic imagination does both of the things that the prophets do. It invites us to both critique the world as it is currently and really look and face um, the state of things as they are and also to uphold and have an undeniable and fierce hope that something different can and will lead to greater freedom um, for all of creation. Isaiah was someone who demonstrated boldness to imagine and to embody a different way of being. Um, he was very bold in proclaiming and bearing witness to hope, even when it seemed absolutely foolish um, and seemed just completely absurd. Yeah, and so, funnily enough, Jess, I'm actually going to read Isaiah 9, um, 2 to 7, um, which is, yeah, a part where Isaiah is imagining and bearing witness to hope in a Messiah that would come and bring liberation. Isaiah says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. For those who lived in a land of deep shadows, light, sunbursts of light, you repopulated the nation, you expanded its joy, Oh, they're so glad in your presence. Festival joy. The joy of a great celebration, sharing rich gifts and warm greetings. The abuse of oppressors and cruelty of tyrants, all their whips and cudgels and curses, is gone, done away with. A deliverance as surprising and sudden as Gideon's old victory over Midian. The boots of all those invading troops, along with their shirts soaked with innocent blood, will, will be piled in a heap and burned a fire that will burn for days. For a child has been born for us, the gift of a son for us. He'll take over the running of the world. His names will be Amazing Counselor, Strong God, Eternal Father, Prince of Wholeness. His ruling authority will grow and there will be no limits to the wholeness he brings. He'll rule from the historic David throne over that promised kingdom. He'll put that kingdom on a firm footing and keep it going with fair dealing and right living, beginning now and lasting always. The zeal of God will do all of this. As followers of Jesus, we are called to be prophetic witnesses to hope, just as John was, just as Isaiah were for the coming Messiah. As Rose talked about a few weeks ago, this isn't a hope based on probability or optimism or just ignoring um, the reality of the world. Instead, um, despite the reality of the world, um, the violence or the hostility, the isolation, apathy and loneliness that we see and feel and are a part of, we proclaim hope in our words and actions because of Christ's arrival, death and resurrection. Um, and because of, because of that, because of Advent and who Jesus was, we can have full hope that all those things will not get the last word. When we look at the season of Advent, the arrival of God with us, Elizabeth, Zechariah and John's story is positioned as a part of the story that calls us to turn to God, um, to be expectant, to be hopeful that things can be different and to get to work 
imagining in word and in deed how that can be. John pointed to a new kingdom coming and invited people to get prepared. Jesus embodied that alternative reality and, and ushered in that new kingdom. Jesus' kingdom is one of liberation and yeah, it makes me think of the idea that it is for freedom that we have been set free and yeah, we have been set free so that the world can be free. And so Jesus invites us to, to receive and then take up that same ministry of wholeness and liberation. Yeah, I think as I was reflecting and just praying today that there are potentially a few different invitations for people to respond to tonight. These might not be for everyone, so like, don't freak out if nothing resonates with you. Yeah, but I guess a couple of things that kind of came to mind. The first one was an invitation um, to some people who may have ignored um, the reality or the state of the world and to have eyes open um, and to feel and see as Jesus does, to be bold in that space um, and to no longer ignore what is reality. The second one is an invitation to some people to have your hope and faith and expectancy renewed in who Jesus was and who Jesus is today. So yeah, if either of those things resonate with you, there are definitely people who can pray with you. Um, feel free to like head over to the cross or ask the person beside you. Yeah, and I would just invite people, yeah, that like this is a safe space and I guess over this year we've been on a really beautiful journey, I guess, of looking more at the prophetic. And so, yeah, be bold. This is a space to be bold and if you feel up for praying for people, please do that. Um, everyone's qualified. So, yeah, go hard.